Hello and welcome to the Bloodstream Podcast, a show serving the greater bleeding disorders community brought to you by Believe Limited and Bloodstream Media and made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. I'm your patient advocate and host, Patrick James Lynch. And I'm your healthcare advocate, nonprofit nerd, and other host, Amy <laughs> Board, reminding you to please speak with a healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. On today's show, Maya Bloomberg, the Heme NP, is back with a segment on disclosure. Amy Board leads a discussion about bleeding disorders, science, and the science fair. Yes, that's me. And I, that is you. And I introduce and lead a new segment on mindset called. Mm. I'm fine. Cool. We've got all that and more on this episode. Welcome to Bloodstream. Thank you all for joining us today. Remember, mm. if you like what you hear and you haven't already, please subscribe to the Bloodstream podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. There's so many places to listen. And also follow Bloodstream Media on social media. We're on all of the things. I like that we give listeners the option if you yeah. like what you hear. Because if you don't like if it, if you don't like you it, you don't have to subscribe. You don't have to listen mm -mm. if you don't want to. This is your choice. It's and we <laughs> are here to educate you. You have rights as a listener. You are now empowered. <laughs> And I also want to remind you that the Bloodstream Podcast is indeed made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. Takeda. Yes, that's right. Takeda. Takeda's got this website, bleedingdisorders.com. Yes. Where you can learn all about Takeda's resources for and commitment to the bleeding disorders community. Takeda believes in a world free of bleeds. Which you do as well. Correct. And are dedicated more than ever in their efforts to offer a wide range of programs and support to help patients throughout their treatment journey, wherever on that journey they may be. <laughs> you can learn more by simply visiting bleedingdisorders.com. One more time for the folks in the back, bleedingdisorders.com. Bleeding and for their founding and ongoing support of the Bloodstream Podcast, I would just like to say thanks, Takeda. Thank you, Takeda. Amy Board. Yes. This is the spot where we chat for a moment <laughs> before we get into the heart of the matter. We've talked many times about Taylor Swift during this part of the podcast, <laughs> mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. this is the only time we will speak days after you've attended her legendary tour that is breaking the internet, breaking yeah. the world, that something's happening. Yeah. And you were a part of it. So I will lay out and the floor is yours for the next few minutes, Amy Board. I, I just want to warn you listeners, I have been given a time limit. There's three minutes or less that I am allowed to talk about Taylor Swift, which is fine. That's cool. I'm going to get it in in now with these two and a half minutes. It was incredible. And I will say, I will say, because this actually does extend to our community. It was, I was so overwhelmed by th the the amount of women and girls in that stadium, there were 70,000 people there. The majority of the attendees were girls and women. And there was such she she's always been this, but it was such a celebration of girlhood. And I just it, it, it was really meaningful to have like those very um, tender, vulnerable places um, that we can push aside because they're not cool or they're not something that we should talk about celebrated in a way. And her storytelling has a way of doing that. And it really, truly was a cathartic, wonderful thing. And uh, women deserve to be heard are... Um, you know, I believe that's what feminism really is, is it's not uh, trying to be the same as men, but it's trying to get respect for our differences and the exact same because we offer so much to the world and her music, um, it just has a way of doing that. Her storytelling has a way to do that. And it was 
one of the best nights of my life. I went with my baby brother and it was one of the best nights of my life. If you have that opportunity to go to see the Ares tour, I know it's like very difficult to get tickets, but we got tickets. I can't believe we got those tickets. It was wonderful. I think you still got like 40 <laughs> seconds. So let me ask you, what was it like being there with your brother? It was it was really emotional, actually, to be there with my brother. He, he's not a Swifty. I've told that story before, but he is a like an, a music aficionado. And so he very much respected um, her production value. He very much respected her music now that he I mean, he really got into it. He knew all the words. He listened to the set list. Like, yeah, you said he's not a Swifty, but I'm like, I feel as though you've I know, told the story I, no, no, of his no. conversion. No, he, he's a total like converted Swifty. But like he was just joyful. It was just like a really lovely thing that that I got to do with him and he was we had we just had so much fun it, we just had so much fun I'm so happy so for you yeah thank that's, you that's awesome and I'm very curious to see what this era's tour is going to uh like mean in the big picture of culture and society because it yeah. does seem like this isn't a this is not a, just a concert this is an event no and it's going all the way through next year you know I mean she's doing Jeez. like an internet I mean she's just an animal she said she was up there for three and a half hours and I kept turning to uh you know drama my friend our our video producer here who's <laughs> we're, we're this, the idiot Swifties in the office you know like I can't believe she's still going yeah I, I mean it just it just blew my mind she was an animal she sang through the whole thing she, she's an animal I have no idea how she's doing this. Well, crazy. And quickly, you know, Dr. Dima Kelly, who is my colleague on the Global Hemophilia Report, yes. and prior to that was my pediatric hematologist at the Wheel Cornell Medical Center at New York Presbyterian, shouts out. Uh, but her brother, Billy D. Michelle, yeah. correct, Billy D. Michelle, Donna D. McKelly, figure it out in your own time. <gasps> Billy D. Michelle, we don't have time for it. Billy oh. D. Michelle, he works for Scholastic okay. and has for a long time. Yes. The only job outside of working real estate with my dad for a minute. And for, with the restaurant group where I met Seth, oh. our friend, who I pointed as though he still works here, but he doesn't. <laughs> He's not over there. <laughs> He's not it's over fine, there, it's but fine, it's you know, fine. anyway, he used to sometimes be over there. Uh, outside of those jobs, the only job that I actually have had a normal job employer was with Scholastic working under Billy. And in 2011, one of the jobs, my main job was coordinating with high school groups for special events that we had and grade school groups for special events mm -hmm. at Scholastic. And the biggest one that I had to do a job for was a Taylor Swift visit that was for, you know, a 200 to maybe 250 max auditorium in the Scholastic building in Soho in New York City. And the kids. So at the time, this is like 2011. This is a mm -hmm, while ago. Mm -hmm. I knew who she was. I knew she was a big musician. Wasn't wasn't my, you know, whatever. The kids in that room that day. It changed. Something clicked. Something happened for me. And it's not the same thing as what we're doing at Believe Limited. But the positivity, mm -hmm. the encouragement, the mm -hmm. creating entertainment that isn't about sloshing around in the negativity mm -hmm. or just mudslinging or just big spectacle. But that is actually something that's heartfelt and communal and driving mm -hmm. toward. It was alive in that room with all of these children. Mm -hmm. And it was my proudest moment at Scholastic. And in, in that day, I was like, I don't. I don't know anything about her music. I mean, never listened to a song, but I am a fan of hers for life mm -hmm. because of what she's doing with her platform. Mm -hmm. And it's only gone on steroids since then. Yeah. She's, ne she's never wavered. I mean, it's she, she, she's in, she's incredible. And funny enough, Dr. D. McKelly has some weird little thread in that story. So I tied it to bleeding I disorders know! in some way, shape or form. How about that? Woo! Speaking of clinicians, <laughs> yeah. Maya Bloomberg, the human pee. It's coming up a little bit later, but before we get to that, actually, oh we're going to talk science fair because listeners have been hearing us anticipate the National Hemophilia Foundation's Bleeding Disorders Conference, which takes place next week for those listening in yep. real time yep. in Maryland. 
hemophilia.org for more. Last episode, we had Dr. Len Valentino on to preview the rebrand and give some, you know, high level talk previewing the conference. There is one thing, in, a couple things we're doing there, but one thing in particular that we want to discuss today that Amy Board has been leading for us for the last couple few years, puts a ton of energy into this, and that is the science fair. So, Amy, once again, the floor is yours yeah. to provide us with some top level, top line, high level information. What is the science fair? Here's the deal, listeners. I, you know, I don't say this lightly. I genuinely... I think the science fair is one of the coolest things that we do here at Believe Limited. And I, I think it's one of the most impactful things we do here at mm. Believe Limited. And the the timing of it has been perfect. Mm. Um, as we all know, there is a huge paradigm shift in how we are treating our hemophilia. And the choice is um, becoming uh, a little bit more of a forward asking question of like, what do I want mm. to treat my hemophilia with? What What is my lifestyle? And to understand the science we really had to push Oh, Literally, gosh. Amy just pushed the microphone. <laughs> she had so much commitment to oh, what she was saying. That Lordy. was stagecraft. We've had to push through the very basic bleeding disorder science that we've all, you know, learned and just absorbed for the past, yeah, you know, ba- basic and years sometimes and years. wrong, right? Like sometimes right. overly simplified to the point overly of Overly simplified. Incorrect. You know, where we're talking about replacement therapy. So basically, we've all heard the story of the dominoes and you take one of those dominoes out that's a factor eight and nine and then it's stops. It's actually much more complicated than that. And our new treatments are um, all different areas of the coagulation process. Mm. And so to have a better understanding of how things work on an overall big picture has been really important. Mm -hmm. And the science fair um, is going to be in person at NHF's Bleeding Disorders Conference, like Patrick said, in Maryland. So if you are attending BDC, please make sure to stop by the science fair. The science fair is an in-person larger than life. It's four 4,000 square feet. It's a walkthrough science exhibit and is going to take place in the exhibit hall of the Bleeding Disorders Conference all day Friday and that Saturday morning until about 1.30. It, you can go through it at your leisure. There's lots of um, games. There's lots of um, big colored trifolds that you can learn stuff. There's different, um, there's a huge scale. You can kind of learn how our body actually like balances itself very naturally with Procoagulants and anticoagulants. Um, we have a new phenomenal module that I am very proud of that's actually brought to us in partnership by Santa Fe Global Medical Affairs um, about rare factor deficiencies. Mm. And uh, spoiler alert, we have a giant wheel that's fashioned like the Price is Right wheel that you can spin. And you can learn about each rare factor deficiency. And it's cool. It's been it's it's really incredible. Um, I will say that the science fair was brought to us um, back in 2019 with founding support by Spark Therapeutics. They have mm-hmm. been with us since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to thank Spark and their team for seeing the vision of this. For sure. Um, it's also brought to you in partnership with Sanofi as well as Sanofi Global Medical Affairs, which is incredible. You'll get to learn about the clotting cascade. We really break it down. Of Mm -hmm. course, we look at factor eight and friends, you know, factor eight (laughs) kind of has a relationship with a lot of different clotting factors, which is fantastic. So many jokes I can make, but we'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. For totes, for totes. Uh, There's going to be a new exhibit with uh, the differences between hemophilia B and hemophilia A with a -a whack-a-mole carnival game. It's going to be great. Um, you she can pointed learn, at me for that one. I, know, I don't really know why. Great. You can learn about treatment options through the years, which is phenomenal. We have a new clinical trials exhibit. We have a gene therapy exhibit. And, of course, we have our very famous 
360 selfie station. That thing has gotten buzz. That is tops. And we uh, will finish it all off with a clinician's corner. You can have uh, your questions answered by a clinician. It's a it's a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic exhibit. And uh, I just want to mention that it is at BDC. The the large um, original science fair is at BDC this year. But we also um, have received um, support to do roadshow appearances. So we've made actually several appearances at chapters um, across the country this year. We've actually been at the Coalition for Hemophilia B meeting. We've been at Hemophilia Foundation of Michigan Spring Fest, Great Lakes Hemophilia Foundation. And here in the fall, we're going to go to Oregon and then we're going to go to the New York City chapter. If you would like to get our condensed science fair um, at your chapter, please reach out and let me know. Get yourself on the list. I think we've got about five chapters we can do every year and we'd really like to hit every single one. But it's something I'm very proud of and I think it's it's well worth your time. So make sure to come see us. Rockin' Amy, loved that. Uh, And we will also, while at the BDC, be screening our Redefining Impossible film that you've heard us speak about before. We ran the trailer not too long ago. We're going to have more on that in the next episode. But for now, let us indeed move on to nurse practitioner Maya Bloomberg, who shares four key tips when thinking about disclosure. Okay, disclosure, over to you, Maya. It's summertime, a time filled with meeting new people and making new friends, which might be a little intimidating if you have a bleeding disorder or other chronic condition. Disclosing your condition is a personal choice and it might feel a little intimidating, maybe stress-inducing, but I'm here to give you my best tips to navigate the process with some ease. Number one, understand your comfort level. Disclosing is about building trust and fostering authentic friendships. If you feel ready to share your condition, it really can deepen your connection with an individual and allow others to better support you. Number two, remember timing is key. While there's no perfect time to disclose your condition, you might wanna wait until you have a connection with an individual so you have some underlying trust and allow somebody to get to know who you are before they know your medical condition so it doesn't define you as a person. Find a comfortable and private setting to have the conversation so you can be uninterrupted and also make sure you have enough time to disclose your condition so you don't feel rushed while having the conversation. Number three, communication. When you decide to disclose, remember to communicate openly and clearly. You might wanna start with just basics of hemophilia and explain, hey, I have hemophilia. This is a genetic disorder where I don't produce enough of a clotting protein, so I'm at risk for prolonged bleeding, and I might bleed a little bit more from an injury or cut than you would without certain medication. You also want to include how it specifically affects you so they know how to best support you. You might want to discuss different precautions that they have to take or is there any accommodations that they can make to make it a little easier for you. Really just the key aspects your friends need to know to provide you with the best support. Last but not least, surround yourself with supportive individuals. Look for friends who show empathy, respect, and a willingness to learn about your condition. You really want to surround yourself with a network of people who truly support you and a safe space because it's going to make navigating life so much easier. Remember that your medical condition is just a part of your story but doesn't define who you are as a person. Your friends are going to embrace who you are, including your experiences with hemophilia. So to sum it up, we're going to assess our own comfort level. We're going to consider timing. We're going to communicate in a very clear manner, and we're going to surround ourselves by individuals who are supportive. Remember, hemophilia does not define you as a person, so embrace your authenticity and share your experience when the timing feels right. 
comfort level, timing, communication, and a supportive environment. Four specific pillars for successful disclosure. Thank you, Maya Bloomberg. Thank you, Maya. The Heem NP is on Instagram. The Heem NP. She's rocking it over there. So she this, actually is rocking it over there. She really is. Yeah. Disclosure, Amy Board, as we know, mm-hmm. is just one of the many psychological and sociological, or as the cool kids say, psychosocial. No, you only say psychosocial if you've been to like conferences with PowerPoints. Oh, I've been to conferences with PowerPoints. I know, that's why you use psychosocial. One of the many, oh, it's not the cool kids, is that, <laughs> that's your point? <laughs> One of the many psychosocial components of living with a rare and chronic bleeding disorder that is super important to feel knowledgeable about and ladders up to what we would broadly consider a mental health consideration. Sure. Yes. Over the past few years, with the Let's Talk segment, we've explored areas of mental health here on Bloodstream. Absolutely. Shouts out to Joshua Sterling Bragg. Let's talk. Thank you, Josh. And we're going to continue that journey. And again, in partnership with Sanofi through a new segment centered around a mindset called I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And Fine aims to challenge entrenched ideas around chronic resiliency and satisfaction with suboptimal outcomes by inspiring people with hemophilia to seek education and truly consider the possibilities. Sanofi seeks to expand the idea of what's possible for the hemophilia community, take a deeper look at the science behind hemophilia, and an important connection between factor activity levels and potential activities at levelsmatter.com. Now, on to... I'm fine. This is all I've ever known. Is that even possible for me? I don't want to miss anything. I don't need that. I don't want to acknowledge my pain. I don't want to get poked with needles. I don't don't want that. that. There's nothing wrong. I'm fine. 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 fine. But what happens if I can't cry on cue? I remember someone asking this of our freshman year acting professor. Do I just fake it? The professor answered as only he could. You can't fake the funk. You can only feel it. As a young actor, I admit I had a similar question to my peer. What if the script calls for an emotional experience that I, in that moment, am not actually having? What do I do? How do I act without faking it if I'm not really feeling it? Fortunately, the plight of the actor isn't something that most of us have to concern ourselves with. But as a person with hemophilia, at the time I first heard this, I had been thinking about how to overcome how I'm really feeling for a long time. There are numerous reasons that someone with an inheritable bleeding disorder like hemophilia could adopt an I'm fine mindset. Today, I have invited my friend and fellow person with hemophilia, Michael Bishop, to speak with me about what it means to fake it till you make it and how that mentality can lead to, or reinforce the ever so problematic, I'm fine mindset. Hi, Michael. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Growing up, I got quite used to a fake it mentality. I didn't want to be excluded or miss out on activities. I didn't want to be seen or treated differently. And a lot of times, I realize now, I simply didn't want to admit to myself how unwell I really was. Has hemophilia led you to take a fake it till I make it approach to certain things? And if it has, how has that played out in your life? I think primarily that showed up to me when I was uh, hanging out with friends, even in like simple situations, walking around the zoo or something, having a day at like an amusement park 
it always felt like you know life was pay to play and i just had to pay a little bit more i would like i would ignore the fact that this was most likely going to lead to a bleed for me and it was just okay i'm i'm going to pay for this on the other end of it but i'm going to fake and pretend like everything's cool throughout this day i'm totally normal and then my friends just won't see me for the next couple of days while i recover from this you know not considering the damage that was going to be doing to my joints or or factoring in the discomfort i was going to feel the next couple of days all i wanted was that one day of of faking it and I did not really care what, what that meant for, for the rest of my life, basically. Adopting a fake it till I make it approach to things has historically reinforced this idea that I'm fine. I don't need support. I don't need help. I don't want any extra attention coming my way, which has been problematic for me in my life. Have you found this to be the case in your experience? Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think um, a particularly difficult thing about hemophilia is that it changes. Your needs could change throughout your life. Um, for me, my joints have gotten significantly worse throughout my twenties. And so every time I felt like I was comfortable asking for the assistance that I needed, suddenly I needed more, you know, and I, and I had to like grieve that all over again and had to come back and, and say, actually, I, I just got comfortable asking you guys for this stuff, but I need some additional things from you now, or I need a little more patience and a little more time to get ready or, or navigate the world with you. And so I definitely, definitely relate to that. And it's, it's an ongoing thing for me. I think it, it forever changes because hemophilia changes forever. Michael, one thing that theater school really drilled into me is the power of emotional truth. The power of not what I would like to be true, but of what is actually really going on. Over the course of your life, how have you helped yourself get in touch with what's actually going on and not fall into the trap of the I'm fine mindset? It's hard because I'm not perfect at it. And I, and I, I don't think any, anyone is. But um, those lessons really come to me just through trial by fire, just learning my lesson the hard way where I accept some responsibility at a job or something that I, I don't know if I can handle. I don't think I can handle, but I'm just going to put on this face and say that that I'm fine and, and, and that that comes back to haunt you, you know? And, and so I think playing the tape out and, and learning from the past. And even if the situation isn't exactly the same, even, even if the accommodation you're, you're asking for isn't the same or the people aren't the same, you kind of can draw on that experience. And that's what I've been doing now. And, and I think even though I am more, um, I need more physical assistance than I ever have in my life. I am the happiest I've ever been simply because I'm very open with, with the people around me and I can ask for things I need. I'm not embarrassed to be in a wheelchair. I'm not embarrassed to ask my friends to help me pick up the wheelchair and put it in my car or whatever it is. Like I, I think it's drawing on past experiences and then it, it truly does get easier. The more you let yourself ask for help, the easier it is to accept it because you see that you're, you're much happier in the long run. Michael, as always, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing with us here today on Bloodstream. Hemophilia severity is determined by factor activity levels, a measurement of how much factor you have in your blood at time of diagnosis. The more factor you have in your body over time, the better your bleed protection is, which is why many people with hemophilia choose to treat prophylactically. Your doctor can perform measurements to evaluate the factor activity levels in your blood. Learn more about the importance of factor activity levels by talking to your doctor and visiting levelsmatter.com. Sanofi aims to raise the bar for patients living with hemophilia. Reimagine what's possible by visiting rareblooddisorders.com to hear more about Sanofi's dedication to the bleeding disorders community. 
It's not always comfortable to be emotionally honest, even with ourselves. In the short term, adopting a fake it till I make it attitude can help me avoid that discomfort. However, if I consistently lean on fake it till I make it, I'm regularly reinforcing a disconnection between how I am really doing, how I'm processing how I'm really doing, and how I am expressing myself to others. Challenging an I'm fine mindset is an important step in determining whether or not my care, treatment, and overall approach to healthcare management is adequately serving my needs. And look, as a parent and a business owner, I know that sometimes, for a moment, we have to fake it for the sake of the greater good. I give myself grace and allowance for those moments, so long as faking it doesn't become the unchallenged rule. For more on mindset and other areas of mental health, check out the resources at mentalhealthmatters2.com. Thanks to Michael Bishop for joining and sharing his lived experience with mindset, and thanks to Sanofi for supporting this segment. Subscribe to the Bloodstream Podcast wherever you listen, and we'll be back next time with another installment of I'm Fine. Thank you, Michael and Maya, for participating in today's show, which, of course, would not be possible without our presenting sponsor, Takeda. Thanks, Takeda. Bleedingdisorders.com to learn more. Thanks as well to segment sponsor, SanofiLevelsMatter.com to learn more about factor levels. And thanks as well to Spark, founding supporter of the Science Fair. Amy Board Bloodstream is going to be back on August the 25th. Yes. What can listeners do? expect. I just want to shout out uh, the listeners that stick around to this very end because I know how much this preview means to them. So I just want to really like give a big old Taylor Swift heart to the people that are still listening. <laughs> that is heartfelt, Bordo. Uh, but next uh, bloodstream is going to be awesome because we're coming to you live from uh, the NHF's BDC and it's going to be baller. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> is it? I don't know. It's going to be great. Well, I love our live conference stuff because it's always like a loose cannon. Like, totally. I don't know. We're just running around with a microphone just asking questions. Yeah. But hey, we've got some stuff to talk to people about. There's going to be the unveiling of some new branding. Yay. There's going to be some immediate reactions to that. Yeah. We've had gene therapies approved. Yeah, yeah. So I bet we're going to have some really good stuff for people to hear on the 25th. Yeah, don't miss it. You're going to want to subscribe if you haven't already. I think it's really important. Oh, that's legit. Yeah. Thank you, Amy Board. As always, I look forward to being in Maryland with you next week for uh, our community's biggest event of Woo-hoo! the year is here in the USA. By the way, I just want to point out that as we talk about the biggest <laughs> event of the year, the NHF BDC, I would like uh, to give a shout out to HFA for these wonderful red mugs. Shouts out HFA. And I would like to shout out my parents' 70th birthday merch. Um, Tom and Jenny's birthday merch on my water bottle. Loyal listeners, as always, mailbag at blitzstreammedia.com <laughs> is the email you can use to inquire about all of our stuff. We've got casting opportunities, or you can find me or Patrick on Hello. social media. Bloodstream Media is also on social media. Obvi. You know? It's so great. <laughs> Isn't it? It's something. <laughs> <laughs> With that, that is all for this episode. I'm your host, Patrick James Lynch. And I am that other host, Amy Bourne. And until next time, take self-care of yourself. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. You know that I, I told that uh, I don't want to stay on parade, but I've bleeping. I want to stay on parade. This is the best <laughs>